0: Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Be back with you again, man. It seems like, you know, last last Easter, we didn't have service in person. Um, And so that was, you know, we, we made the best of it, you know. Uh, but it was still kind of sad, right? It was it was sad because Easter is is such a big celebration, and uh, and and we just we couldn't celebrate with people in the room. And it seems like there is a, there is some type of and I'm not the type of person to blame everything on the devil, okay? But there just seems to be some type of a spiritual attack leading up to Easter Sunday. And I I just, I want to let everyone know, I want to let the devil know, because I know he's probably listening, that we're still going to celebrate Jesus. It doesn't matter what comes of next Sunday. Amen. We are going to celebrate Jesus because he has the victory. Amen. Does he have the victory in your life? This morning, I want to ask that you, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to, to the book of Acts chapter nine. Acts chapter 9. We're going to read a little bit this morning. Um, We're going to be reading verses 1 through 19. And uh, if you have it, give me an amen. And if you don't have it, I got you. I got you. Amen. Acts 9, 1 through 19. Here we go. It says, "But, but Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and he asked him for the letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found anyone belonging to the way men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. The way is known as the Christians, the way, the truth and the life is Jesus. Amen. Verse three says, and now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him And entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me, that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he, was, then he rose, and he was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Amen. Let's pray before getting into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word, my God, that you have already spoken. I pray right now, Father God, that as we may be uh, uh, postured to receive this word, Father God, I pray, Lord, that you speak it into somebody's life this morning who needs to hear it, Father God, that they may walk out of here a little bit different here today, Father God, and I pray that your Holy Spirit may do a work in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we get a louder amen? Some of my, some of my, my big ameners aren't here, okay? So y'all, y'all got to help me out. Um, I want to take you this morning through a little bit of history on this Palm Sunday morning. We have our, our beautiful palms here, courtesy of Pastor Maritza. Thank you. Um, and I, I want to I kind of take a different perspective from the typical, you know, Palm Sunday message from the from the Gospels. Uh, we're going to highlight a lot of that because it's important. But I wanted to begin with Paul this morning, and I want to kind of work back, uh, backwards through history. See, Paul was... The author of thirteen out of the twenty-seven books in the New Testament. There is a lot of Paul in the Bible. I I still remember my the words of my New Testament professor. He said, "There is more Paul than Jesus in the Bible." And though that is true, it's because uh, Paul was one of the greatest advocates for Christianity. He was one of the greatest advocates for Jesus after his conversion. And he was a pastor, he planted many churches, he was a, minister, uh, a missionary, uh, and he devoted the rest of his life after his conversion to the gospel. Now, before Paul was Paul, he was wrong, that was a trick question. No, he was still Paul, okay? Paul did not have a name change from Saul to Paul. Acts 13 says he had two names, he went by Saul and Paul. That was messed up with me, I know, trick question. trying to over-spiritualize his name. He had two names, Saul and Paul. But yes, prior to Paul's conversion, he did kind of have a little bit of a different uh, identity, we could say. He had a different perspective on who Jesus was. And it was a false perspective. Because had it been true, he would have joined the Christians. He would have stopped what he was doing and, and joined this cause um, of, of of jesus but but Paul rejected everything christian Christian he rejected everything that Christians claimed Jesus was to Paul Jesus was a false god he was a he was a heretic he was a false teacher, he was a false prophet, and so he rejected Jesus now I want to go back a little bit. To, to the gospels. In Luke chapter 19, we hear about Jesus entering the city of Jerusalem uh, on, on what's known as his triumphal entry, and he's riding on a donkey. He's riding on a colt, right? Now, in ancient times, uh, anytime there was a, a triumphal entry of a king riding on a donkey, it signified peace. He was coming in peace. Jesus did not come riding on a stallion. He did not come on a chariot. He came on a donkey. He he was telling the world, I come to offer peace to the world. And and in doing so, he was also fulfilling uh, what what the prophet uh, Zechariah had spoken of the future Messiah who said, See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. And so the Jewish people... On that that triumphal entry day, they see Jesus and they cast their palms before him as a sign of honor, making the way for, for the king that the prophet had spoke about. This is the Messiah. They believed that Jesus was he. They believed what Jesus was going to do, but you see, they had a false perspective as well of the king that Jesus actually turned out to be. Now, I believe that this, all of this is tied all the way back to first Samuel chapter eight. Okay. We're, we're going all the way back to the old Testament in history where the people of Israel, they demanded to have a King. They said, give us a King. We want a King. And, and, and they take their concern to the prophet Samuel. They sell, they tell, they, they tell uh, Samuel, we want a King. Give us a King. And Samuel tells us, you don't need a King. We have a King Yahweh. He's our King. And, and they say, no, we want a king. Uh, it's in 1 Samuel 8, verse 19. It says, but the people refuse to listen to Samuel. No, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out and fight our battles. So, so God tells Samuel, give them their king because they have rejected me as theirs. You kind of see this pattern here. In the Old Testament, you have the Israelites who want a king to fight their battles. In the New Testament, you have the Jews who want a king to fight their battles to save them from political oppression. You see that pattern? You see that mistake? It was the same mistake made among the the Old Testament Jews and the New Testament Jews. Now, the mistake wasn't in them wanting a king. That wasn't the mistake. It wasn't in them desiring to have a king because they already had a king. Their mistake was in their idea of what a king was supposed to be. I, I, I guess I'm not preaching this morning. Their idea wasn't, it, it wasn't that they were asking for a king. God was already their king. God had an order. God, God had promised to, to create a, a, a line of kings that would lead to, lead to Jesus. They asked for a king prematurely rejecting Yahweh. They had a king. And and if you if you if you know anything about you know the Old Testament law and, and, and the covenants, that that fact that Yahweh was the king of the, the Israelite people, that separated them from all the other nations. He said, I will be your Lord. I will be your God. I will be your king. That is going to separate you from all the other nations. It's going to con- I'm going to consecrate you. I'm, I'm going to sanctify you. I'm going to make you different from all the other nations. But the Israelites said, we don't want to be different. We want to be like all the other nations. Someone say the word like. Someone say it louder. Like. Who are you trying to be like today? Who are you trying to be like? We all, we all want to be like something. We're trying to be like somebody. I want to be popular like her. She got, she got a lot of followers on Instagram. I, I want to be popular like her. I wish my pics got more likes than her. I want to be good looking like him. I, I wish I had some, some more hair like, like Pastor Danny, you know? <laughs> Amen, brother. Yes, we share the same desires, right? We all want to be like something, you know, babe, babe, why can't we be like them? They're a couple goals. I want to be a couple goals, right? Why don't we, why don't we ever dress up nicer and take, you know, pictures? I want to be like them. I want to preach like him. I want to sing like her. Churches these days too, man, we're always trying to be like someone else. What is this church doing? What kind of equipment do they have? What do they got going on in the foyer? What, you know, what, what kind of ministries do they have? God didn't call you to be like anyone else except to be like Jesus, that's what he called you to be like. When did we stop? When did we stop making God the standard and started trying to be like everybody else? It, you know, it's easy to, to, it's easy to make people the example, right? Because we live with people, we see people, we hear people, we admire people. When I was a kid, I wanted to be like The Rock. The Rock was my, he was my my. My inspiration. I, I knew all his moves. I could do the people's eyebrows. You know, I went around calling people jabroni. <laughs> Still don't know what that means. I would, uh, I would ask them. I would ask them this question. Pastor Jane, you know what I would ask him? It doesn't matter what I would ask them, right? It was the Rock I wanted to be just like him? And and when we grow up, when we grow up, we don't grow out of this. There's always someone who kind of sets a certain standard for us that we want to be like. And it might not be one person, but it's, it's people. So there, there might be a preacher that I want to preach like. There might be a singer that I want to sing like. There might be a pastor that I want to be like, a business person that I want to be like. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't admire people and strive to have certain qualities that people have that, that we don't have. But when we set our gaze on people, what, what do we do? We, we take our focus off of the standard. We take our focus off of God and, and when we allow people, listen, church, when we allow people to define the characteristics and when we allow people to define, uh, uh institutions like, like marriage, uh, uh, like gender, uh, when we allow people to define morality, we're surprised when God comes down and say, it doesn't look like this at all. And when, you know, we have this worldview shattered because God says it's one thing, but we thought it was another thing. That's the title of my message today. Shattered. I know it took me a long time to get there, but shattered. The moment Israel rejected God as their king was the moment they redefined the concept of a king. The moment they said, God, we don't want you as king because we like, how, we, we like this version of king better, that is when they reconceptualized king. And, and now that was the standard in all of, all of Israel. That's what a king looked like. He had to be royal. He had to be uh, victorious, a, a conqueror of, of, of nations. That is, he had to be a, a warrior. He had to be a fighter. That's what a king looks like. But what about when God, who is the true king, doesn't look like all of the other kings of the world? You're not going to recognize him when he walks in the room. What what are you going to do, church, when when the blessing doesn't look like success? What are you going to do when the blessing looks more like a failure? You're not going to call it a blessing because you have allowed the world to define what a blessing is for you. And God is probably tr- trying to take you through uh, the fire. We just sang that song, uh, uh, refiner. He's taking you through the fire and it hurts. And it, it's it's a calling of, of, of suffering and you don't like how it feels and you're complaining because this, is, this isn't what it's supposed to feel like. This isn't what success looks like. This isn't what growth looks like. This isn't what a happy marriage looks like. But God might be Taking you through the fire to refine you, but you have called it something else because you've took your focus off of the standard. So one day, Paul, he's riding to Damascus, and, and he's doing you know what he what he always does. He's trying to find Christians um, so that he can he could persecute them. He could take them to jail. He could put them in jail. As far as Paul is concerned. Christians are a pollution. They're a pollution to his religion. They're a pollution to his worldview. They are wrong. And so this is why he, re- he rejects Jesus. He rejects Jesus on the basis of what Jesus did not look like. And, and it's because he's following that same thought process of the Jews before him who rejected Jesus on the same basis. They said, this doesn't look like a king. He's not. He's not even, Brother Abraham, he's not even concerned with, with Caesar. He's not even concerned with, with challenging Rome. I thought, this, I thought that's what it was about. I thought it was to, to take us away from Roman oppression. He's not, he ain't even stunned about Caesar. He's over here talking to demons. He's over here talking about how he's going to conquer the, the grave and, and conquer death. What, that's, that's not what a king looks like. The king looks like a conqueror of nations. He looks like Alexander the Great. You spoke about him yesterday. Alexander the Great, who who wages war and, and and he defeats anyone he comes in contact with. That's what we want. This doesn't look like him. You know, it's not that Jesus didn't look like a king. It's that it's that he didn't look like the other kings. That's, that's, I'm I'm serious. I mean, we, we often say that, right? We often say, you know, he came not looking like a king and, and and that's true. But, but the the reason it's true is because we have a different perspective of of what a king is. He didn't, he didn't look like the Kings that we learn about in history. And this is because. In the beginning, 1 Samuel chapter 8, the people of God rejected Yahweh as their king. When they did that, they created a new standard. And so Paul is on his way to do what he believes is the will of God. How many of us do sometimes what we believe is the will of God, and then God later reveals that it's not the will of God? Right. And we're so, we're so passionate about it, we're going to do it with all this zeal and all this fervor and, 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 and fuego, right? Fire and then god 's like no nah, you 're not don 't put my name don 't put my name on that Paul thought he was doing the will of God to him the will of God was to persecute Christians because Christians are saying that Jesus and God are the same that is that is blasphemous so i 'm going to go out and i 'm going to do your will, God, because this jesus he does, he doesn 't even come close to to you. he thought he was doing the will of God. And so on his way, he has this life-changing encounter with Jesus. I want to read that verse again. It's verse three. Listen to this. It says, As he was on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I want you to understand something about the conversion of Paul. You know, anytime a person comes to Jesus... It's a beautiful thing, amen? But many times, a person that comes to Christ comes to Christ after so much support to get them to Christ. So you might have a, and we hear these beautiful testimonies very often. I was praying for years for my, my husband, for my wife, for my cousin. I was praying daily for my son. And here they are. After years of prayer, they're here. After years of trying to get them into the church so that they can hear a, a word. After so much time, they are finally here. And a lot of times, that salvation, you know, it, it, it's, it's a process. It's a long process. It takes someone, you know, that you know, that you're, you're praying for them. Uh, Someone that you know, you're inviting them to church, right? Come, Easter Sunday, come on. God is going to do something, right? It takes several visits to church before they say yes to Christ. And they sit through sermons until one day they're ready. But Paul didn't have any of that. Paul didn't have a support system. Paul didn't have a best friend who was saying, hey, Paul, whenever you're ready, come to church. No one would want to be friends with Paul. This is the guy who was trying to actively persecute Christians. So, so Paul didn't have someone who was trying to invite him to church. He didn't have someone who was constantly preaching to him. He didn't have someone like many of us do. And so, you know, Paul is on the other end of the spectrum here. He is, he's opposed to Jesus. And so this encounter is truly life shattering for Paul. There was was no lead up to it. It just happened. Because so much about what Paul thought he knew about God was wrong. Imagine believing something your entire life, your entire life, and and you even form a life around that supposed truth. And then in in one single moment, you learn that it's, it's all a lie. Would that not wreck you? Would that not shake you? I don't know if you. I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I'm serious because look, I've, I've had these crises of faith before. I've had them, and I, I still remember being with Melissa. We were in the car, and I was. I, I I opened up to her, and I said, "This this is kind of what I'm going through right now." And it was a really emotional day for me, and we were both crying. And I was like, "I don't." I don't even know what I believe anymore. It was during the time where I was, I was getting my master's degree in, in biblical and theological studies and, and so much of what I was learning about God was different than what I was taught. And it began to kind of wreck me a little bit because I thought that God was one thing all of these years and to now discover something about him that's different, it almost shattered me and that's what paul went through here in this moment he was shattered his entire world shattered his education his prestigious education shattered his social life shattered his purpose his purpose his purpose was to persecute christians for God, that was his purpose. Jesus reveals himself as God and he tells him, Why are you persecuting me? You're actually persecuting the one you thought you were trying to serve. Right. Shattered. Y'all, y'all ain't getting it, man. <laughs> he was wrecked. And I just imagine Paul on the floor saying, I, I, guess, I guess he is the king. I guess he did resurrect. I guess all the miracles that we saw him do, I guess they were backed by the authority of God and not by the authority of Satan. I guess I was wrong. That's an encounter that he had. And that encounter led to repentance in that moment. You know, repentance, it doesn't always feel good, right? It doesn't always feel good. Sometimes it leaves you shaken. I've I've heard stories of friends who, you know, they repented after something tragic happened in their life. Or many of them had like a near-death experience, and it caused them to like rethink their entire perspective. And it just leaves them shaken for a while. It doesn't feel good. Paul was shaken. This was a traumatic experience for him. He didn't go to Taste of Texas afterwards with his friends to celebrate. He was a mess for the next three days. He doesn't even eat. He doesn't drink. Some commentators say that Paul had to die to himself for the next three days. Because he had to rediscover a new perspective. He had to rediscover a new purpose. He had to rediscover a new way of life. And the Bible says that he gets up and he can't see. He's blind. And there's so much spiritual significance right there. (laughs) You know, Paul was probably literally blinded for the next three days because of the simple fact that he sees his light in, 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 late, in a later chapter. He says it's, it was brighter than the sun and that caused him uh, to, to be blind for, for a few days. But man, if that doesn't preach, if that don't preach, man, in order for us to have a divine perspective, we have to be blind to worldly perspectives. Right? Come on. And in order to see holy things, we have to have the blinders on to impure things that we like to, to look at. Right. In order for us to hear the voice of God, we have to have deaf ears to the voices of men. In order for us to truly feel the Holy Spirit, we have to become numb to our own emotions. We have to become blind to the natural. And that's hard to do because we live in the natural. We feel the natural. We taste the natural. We hear the natural. And God is saying, I need you to become blind to those things so that I can give you a new divine perspective and you're going to rediscover what I have for you next Amen Paul had to stop seeing the world as he knew it and wake up to a divine reality if only the the Old Testament Israelites if only they had held on to God if only they had said you know what We don't need a king so that we could be like all the other nations. We just need the one true king so that we could be different than all the other nations. So that we could have the favor of God. So that we could have the blessing of God over my life. Maybe some of us aren't blessed or favored because we're trying to blend in with the world. And we're trying to look like everybody else. And God is saying, I'm calling you to be different. I'm calling you for a unique purpose. And you're like, God, I don't want a unique purpose because then I'm going to be weird. I want to be like everybody else. God is saying, no, I have something greater for you if you just hold on to the standard, to me. I believe God wants to do some shattering today, man. i have the worship team come up. I believe that God wants to shatter some of our perspectives. I don't, you know... Maybe there might be people in the room here today or people, maybe you're watching online and and, and you've had certain thoughts and you're wondering, you're wondering if, if God can, you know, take you out of your anxiety. You're wondering if God could take you out of your depression because, because man, so many people have looked at their past and they've allowed their past to define their present. They've allowed their past to become the standard of of their future. Because of what I've gone through, because of what I went through, because of this traumatic experience, that means I'm never going to have a good life. It means I'm never going to get out of this. I believe that God wants to shatter that perspective here this morning. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your marriage. You know, I like to think that there's a lot of people in our church that that aren't having marriage issues. But, you know, in reality, sometimes, sometimes they do and they don't say anything. Sometimes they do and they come to church and they sit next to each other and no one even knows what's going on at home. And I want to encourage someone today, and I don't know if there's anyone in the room, I don't know if there's anyone watching online, but maybe you've looked at other people who have gone through similar things that you've gone through, and they didn't make it, and you're allowing that to define your marriage's future. Well, because they didn't make it, we're probably not going to make it. They went through this, they went through even harder hardships, and and they they didn't make it, I don't think we can make it. God wants to shatter that this morning. Because with God, all things are possible. I don't know what type of perspective you have today, but I believe that God wants you to hear this, okay? I want you to listen to this. If you don't listen to anything else, I want you to hear this, this, this statement. You don't need the world to tell you who God is and what he can and cannot do. You don't need the world to tell you. You don't need anecdotal evidence to tell you what is gonna be your reality. Too many of us have allowed the power of God to be limited by definitions of men. And that weakens our faith because it weakens our God. See, on the other side of this passage, there's another shattering moment, right? This time it's for Ananias. Ananias hears the word of God. And he hears that he's sending Paul to him. Now that's, that's scary. Imagine God telling you that he's sending someone to your house who hates your type. He hates your kind and he's going to come into your home. He's going to walk onto your doorstep where you sleep at night, where your family is. This guy who hates everything that I stand for, you're going to send into me, God? Really? Really? He tells God, Lord, I've heard about this man. I've heard of the evil that he has done. I've heard about the authority that he has to bind those who profess your name. He's going to come after me and you're going to allow him to come into my house. How many times have we tried to reason with God? We tried to explain things to God as if he doesn't already know, right? God, this is not the way that it works, God. this You got it it backwards, you got it wrong. Ananias is afraid because he knows of what Paul is capable of. Can I tell you that that was a tiny moment of doubt right there? How, Pastor Ryan, how? He knew that, he knew what Paul was capable of and that's why he was afraid. And that was a doubtful moment because he doubted what God was capable of. I know what Paul is capable of, and I don't, want, I don't know if I want him coming to my house, but God just told you that he's coming to your house for a purpose. Don't doubt the, the capability that I have to do a work in this man's life who you thought he, he would never come to me. He, was, he would never change his life. God tells Ananias, go, go. Don't give me excuses, just just, just Go. Because this man who the world would have never thought would change, who, 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 who thought would, could never change, he is now a new creation. What the world thought was impossible is made possible by, by God and man, it must have been a sight to see this humbled, vulnerable, weakened, blind Paul. It had to testify of the redeeming power of our Christ. It had, man, I I bet Ananias was there in tears, man. Oh my God. Oh my God. Look at what God just did. And some of you, some of you haven't been wowed by God for a long time because I don't know, you would never admit it, but maybe you don't think he could do it. Maybe you don't think he could do the the miracle. Maybe you don't think that he can can have that breakthrough in your life or in your family. I would have loved to have had that moment where I'm Ananias just seeing this 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 persecutor, this executor of Christians. This was a guy who approved the 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 death of, of Stephen the martyr. Stone him. And how he's walking. Oh my God, look what you did. Look what you did. He's praying. He's asking for guidance. He's responding to you. He's saying yes to the one who he rejected. Some of us need to be reminded of the power of God so that it shatters your perspective of what you're facing. See, the Jews wanted a king to deliver them from Rome. God sent a king to deliver them from death and you might be limiting the power of God because you're searching for a king to deliver you from what you're going through but Jesus is trying to do greater things and he might be taking you through the things that you're telling him, deliver me, save me from and he's doing it because he wants to refine you and he wants to take you out of that natural vision and into that divine vision so this morning, I'm going to ask us to stand, and I want us to pray that prayer. I want us to pray real quick. I want us. To, I want us to say, "God, shatter my natural, shatter the natural, and reveal the supernatural." Because I am, I am, I am tired of having my life defined by natural realities. I want a faith that is unlimited. I want to know that you can do more. I want to expect that you would do more. Because you are the king, not just of this world, you are the king of all creation. You are the king that defeated death Who am I to limit Your power in my life? Come on, can we just can we just pray for for the next few moments? Let's just pray that prayer. God, shatter my perspective on the things, my God, that I have ruled You out of. Yes, God. Yes. God. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.